Welcome to Dirt with Dermot and Paul. What's on the menu this week, Paul? We're talking all things autumnal, talking about just how brilliant this time of year is, how much, you know, you look out the window and you just see the autumnal colours and those tones and you're just, oh yeah, what a great time of year. And we're going to recommend our favourite trees that are looking good right now. Trees that you can go to the garden centre and buy and plant straight away. Yeah, it's not just out going out and admiring it. You can actually bring a bit of that into your own garden. So we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. And it is funny because after the joys of summer, a lot of gardeners will tell you autumn is their favourite time of the year in the garden. With good reason, because, you know, the evenings are getting longer, uh, it's getting a bit cooler, you're wrapping up and you're going out and kicking the leaves and it's just a really nice time of year to go out and enjoy it. But also you can go out and enjoy it and bring a bit into your own garden. So, yeah, let's see what's on the menu. I'm also going to talk a bit about my garden edit of realising it's no longer a toddler, it's grown up a little bit and I have to make a decision about what can stay and what goes. Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith, a Go Loud original. I've an admission. I gave up on my garden midway through the growing season this year. Does that happen? Am I alone in that? In, yeah, I guess, and no. People lose heart with their garden all the time. And being yeah, professionals... Yeah, we're not really meant to, though, are we? Why not? Because we have to produce information, because not only do we garden and design gardens and make gardens, we have to produce information about gardens and how to garden on a week, on a daily basis, between the Instagram, uh, writing articles, uh, plugging into radio stations and doing a podcast. So to say that I found myself away from the garden for so many weeks that I kind of lost touch with what I was trying to do. And I felt in the middle of the growing season, you know, when it came to mid-July, that I couldn't get it back and it was going to do its own thing. Yeah, well, gardens can get away with themselves if you don't... It's not that you have to spend every waking hour out there, but... Depends on your style of garden, depends on what you do, depends on how you want it to look. It's true, isn't it? Sometimes you get absolutely obsessive and during those periods of obsessiveness you achieve a huge amount. If you got a month or six weeks to be at home or working from home, you can be out there all the hours that you have spare and move things on considerably. But then if you lose that, if you don't get on that train one day, it can leave the station without, you know, it just does its own thing. So I planted up a whole lot of pots for the terrace in the middle of the garden and wasn't able to look after them, wasn't able to water them because I started travelling again or whatever. And I just got disheartened. What I didn't get disheartened by was the fact that I had trees and shrubs in that were growing and that I had done a lot of soil improvement and things would be in general in the life of the garden, they'd be getting better and things would be growing. But I got disheartened by the day-to-day. Okay. You're making it sound, though, and maybe it is the case with your particular garden, that you have to devote every waking hour to a garden. But that's not true, surely. No, but I I think the thing is I had wanted to achieve a lot this year and actually it just ended up in a continuation of last year 
without any development in the garden. And that's not true. Last year you had ridiculous yeah, la- amount of development. Yes, last you year did ten times more than normal. That's right. Last yeah. year I had loads of development, and in in the last few years I've had loads of development, and it's great, and it's coming on. But I lost it. I lost it, and there were areas of the garden that I don't love anymore, or aren't going to give me what I thought they might give me. And I think I just down tools midsummer, and a hadn't got the time to be there. B hadn't got the motivation to be there. Um, was that terrible? Well, did you redeem yourself over the weekend? Yeah, I did. Okay, what have you done? Come on, tell us. Oh, I <laughs> just... Be, I, uh, well, we were... We we recorded a podcast, didn't we, last week, and I talked about the history of the garden, and I just decided, right, get on with it. Get out there. And the weather was really good on Saturday and Sunday, so I got out there, I began to cut back, I began to take out, I began to edit, and I began to understand... I kind of build a schedule right through in my head for right through the autumn into the winter and what I should do. And all of a sudden it seems much clearer, much easier and I'm re-enthused by the whole thing. But it is all about control, isn't it? Well, isn't gardening playing God? That's what we're kind of trying to do and, you know... Is that a bit controversial? Adrian's looking at me like, what's the end of it? (laughs) Well, it's ego, it's creativity, but it's also ego, and it is using resources that we choose to use to, you know, create our vision. Paul wrote, Aidan, Paul wrote uh, this brilliant thing for the book. Now, it was quite airy-fairy, but he imagined his perfect garden, and he did maybe seven or eight paragraphs, and he described his journey through this garden. And this garden was absolutely huge. It was a kind of wall garden. It was like the Phoenix Park, and it had every different aspect and soil type and uh, climate and topography that you could imagine. And he lived in a corrugated shack in the centre of it that you could hardly open the door because it was so overgrown with with briars. And it has made... Uh, that's very much my garden on a, on a kind of miniature because I've made access through my garden almost impossible. So this is the time to go and, um, and, and take control again. And I really enjoyed doing that. The, the weather was so good. I could only do kind of 40, 50 minutes at a time. Then I'd go in and read the newspapers or whatever, and then I'd be back out. Uh, but I kept that, that right through the weekend. Chopped down loads of stuff. This is the season for chopping down, for tidying up, and for getting to see, for remembering what's there, and getting to plan for what we might do in the winter. So I got excited. Yeah, I think it's important too to point out to everyone that's listening that you can edit a garden. A garden doesn't have to be this thing that... I think we said it last week, you know, you do it, you turn the key, if it's done, there you go, finish forevermore. It's not like painting a room. It's not static. It's ever-changing. The seasons are ever-changing. We're coming into one of the most changeable seasons, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And there is time for you to edit the garden, and there is time where it's correct for you to edit the garden and go in there and change things and take out stuff and just decide, no, that was a bad idea. Ten years ago, I was thinking like this. Now I'm not. So it's time to chop that tree. It's trying to do whatever. I'm nothing wrong in that, is there? There's nothing wrong with it. So editing is absolutely right, Paul. So I've begun to take out, I've begun to chop down in little pieces to make faster compost uh, and listening to headphones in. I dropped one of the earbuds in the pond. 
No. Yeah. Ugh. Did it work? How do you mean? Did it work? Once you took it out. No. That's crap. What kind of product are they trying to sell? Expensive ones. <laughs> did you know what I did then? He threw it back he in. Threw the other one in. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> to give the fish a uh, uh, little bit of Fontaine's DC. No, I didn't. I I put it in and covered it with salt in a little dish and covered it with salt. That'll burn the ear off you next time you go to do it. No, it worked. It drew all the moisture out. No, wait, that's the that's the twenty twenty one equivalent of you know, stick your Nokia in the hot press or put it in rice. I did uh, I did it with rice once. I once went to a rave in an abandoned World War Two munitions factory in Wales and I fell into one of the old channels that used to have the carriages of water in the middle of this. It's a long story. Anyway, long story short, uh, my phone got wet and destroyed and it wouldn't work anymore after this night. And it's very poor. I went back and I put it into rice and I left it for a day took it out wouldn't work and I just said ah feck it so I just put it in the drawer with the rice got a new phone forgot about it six months later my new phone broke because I go through phones because I'm a gardener and I'm just not very good with technology you know every six months I break another phone and my other phone stopped working I went back to the rice phone turned it on and away it went it had dried out over the six months I actually can't believe that that's unreal (laughs) it was also making a long story longer and it was quite a story. I mean, that was the first time some of my friends from Ireland came over to Wales and this was the experience I gave them. I don't think a lot of them ever forgave me for it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I have started to take back control. I have all the stuff lined up to dig in or too much. I'm very excited about taking out loads of, oh God, the amount of fennel I took out, the amount of angelica, there was one other thing that I was taking out Budleys, I was taking out so to, and uh, Euphorbia Wolfini. That you know that one gets my garden was covered in that. Um, the amount of that I took out at the weekend, and it's just clearing up loads of space, and all of a sudden I can see the trees and I can see the pools and and create pools for for planting. So I'm looking forward to a good crisp dry six weeks, and to find some of my gardening tools. Cue the rain. <laughs> uh, November's always wet and soggy. We're, yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm counting on October and just to get the heart back, the heart for it back. But it was a lovely way to sp- uh, spend a weekend. I mean, you're only tricking yourself. You're only playing, um, but the playing is good. It makes you feel better. The endorphins are pumped. Do you have a favourite plant in your garden at the moment? At the moment. Yeah, I mean, this is always a difficult question. People will ask a gardener, what's your favourite plant? And I always ask them, do you have kids? And they say, well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And you say, who's your favourite kid? Because it's that kind of question, isn't I, it? I do, uh, I do have. I have two geranium um, madeiriensis. Ah, but they don't look like a whole lot now. But I know. But every time I look at them, I'm thrilled with myself. And they didn't produce flowers this year. They're just, well, they're not low grown. They grow to about a metre in height and almost spherical. And they will be brilliant some year. But they're my favourite at the moment. There's something very vital about the colouring in the foliage just now. And I know it's an unusual one to choose during October, but I like them. The Persian ironwood also is looking really good. You know that one I have at the against the neighbour's fence? Yeah, uh, Parotia. Parotia persica. Yeah. And it's looking great this time of the year. Oh, the foliage is just fiery. Actually, do you know what I'm really excited by? 
inform. Tell us. That next year is my garden's year. I've realised that. Uh, now you can go on with yourself because 12 months ago you didn't sit in this studio and say that but you said to me in various different yeah, times well, I was and you wrong. said it to Well you were right, okay. I'll tell you why. Go because on, yeah. so many of these trees and shrubs are reaching the their fifth birthday and that's the time they really show you what they are. And I saw you gazing quietly over the veranda about two or three months ago. And you said, yeah, you know, this isn't a bad little garden. And you were being so, well, you weren't being sarcastic and you were, you were being superior. I always have to accept that with you. Damn but right. You, you were <laughs> just looking at the garden, you know, there's uh, something big in the town. Well, it's really happening now. And next year, if I get the ground covers right, if I get the grasses right, if I get the perennials right. If you get the editing right. If you edit the wrong plants. According to me, not according to you. Well, yeah, no. In the way that I want to get it right. I think the garden could be cool. Watch this space. But you, do you know what I mean? Five years, it's birthday. Yeah, yeah. If I... And if I can get, maybe Eddie, you'd come with a ladder and uh, do the pruning that... Paul never gets right of <laughs> Why would anyone ever come to do it if all you're going to do is complain about how they do it? This is part of the reason why I hate doing that job for people. Uh, I hate doing it for myself. I, I, know, I don't mind doing it for myself because I can take my own criticism. I think he's good at talking about it but not so good at doing it. Well, if you're going to ask me, it's the equivalent of asking me to cut your hair. I've never done it before and I'm going to make an absolute hanes of it. At least it would hair you'd have an idea. You know, because... True, you've got I have, I've yeah, got yeah. less of an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this could be good. Why don't we get Aideen to cut your hair and at the same time, I'll go and I'll cut your roses and we'll have a, what you call it, like a comparison competition and see, see who does worse. You're both been silly now. Okay. Sorry, Dermot. This is dirt. <laughs> With Dermot and Paul. Dirt, a go loud original. Your little chat there about the Persian ironwood, Paratia, Persica, uh, got me thinking. Autumn colour. And we're pretty much right bang in the middle of all that now, aren't we? Yeah. And any so, favourites? Any? Well, when, when people talk about autumn colour, they're generally referring to the colour of leaves, the way in the autumn or in the fall that our leaves plenty of deciduous leaves change colour yeah yeah, and that happens kind of because uh, the length of daylight is going uh, shorter and shorter the change in temperature and basically the leaves have stopped creating food Uh, they all have chlorophyll in them the chlorophyll breaks down and the green colour disappears but what remains are the yellows and the browns and the reds and all those amazing colours and it is fascinating because all those amazing colours are already there they're just been hidden by the green chlorophyll and if you remember back to when you were a kid in school in science experiments and about photosynthesis and everything like that that explains the, the, the job of the chlorophyll. Chlorophyll doesn't need to do its job. The energy doesn't need to produce that energy during the dormant season. So it dissipates. And before the leaves fall, they do this thing where the other colours 
really come to the fore. And sometimes that could be just brown, like oak trees have brown, which isn't the most exciting, but it is just a colour that... Or it can be exciting the way, you know, if the sun hits them in a certain way, that can be just glorious. Yeah, yeah. Combine them with things like grasses at this time of the year, autumn colour and that together, and you've just got the most amazing, uh, the most amazing shots in the garden, the most amazing displays with grass, with all this colour, with all the russet kind of, you know, autumnal Halloween-y colours that you get. It's just, it's a lovely, lovely, colourful time of year, even though it's coming to a time. And there are some places in the world, and there are some places in this country where people really love to go. Do you know what it's called when they go looking at leaves? changing colour in leaves it's called leaf peeping isn't there a place in America a wood that people go to just to leaf peeping leaf peeping oh yeah there is upstate New York all of the Connecticut all that is a brilliant place for leaf uh, leaf peeping I went leaf peeping in New Zealand or you can go down to Mount Usher or whatever to people leaves as uh, we I went week. leaf peeping on the way up here uh, I was going up from Wexford today so I went up past your house kind of and on the motorways the side of the motorways I always notice because do a lot of driving on roads and motorways you start to see that leaf turning and you start to see certain things and one of the best at the moment is just the wild gelder rose that's in the middle of the road uh, Viburnum opulus gelder rose they have white flowers a bit like hydrangeas usually in May and June earlier in the year and now they're going the most intense red We're the go loud things here have a reddy orangey colour on them it's kind of like that red and it's really incredible and they're covered in the red berries too it's one of those wow plants and it's just a motorway plant nothing special and the other one is the spindle bush that euonymus which is very similar red but it's incredible when you see it because it looks like a totally unnatural colour and it does create some excitement about you know dry crisp days towards the end of of the year and what's to come it gives you hope at this time of the year and really brightens up gardens Uh, snowy mespel that's a great one for spring but it's also a great tree for autumn yeah again on the N11 I think we spoke about this in a very very early uh, podcast there's actually loads of that not far from Kilmacanoke along the road there planted in kind of mass and I only noticed that today it's gone this orangey colour so while the viburnum on one side of the road in the middle carriage is going deep red the snowy mespel or amelanchier is going like this basically bright bright orange colour and I guess it'll lose that orange and maybe fade to a yellower colour before it just eventually drops off and the way it drops off is the tree does something it kind of it evacuates the leaf doesn't it it produces a a, a signal to create a separation and a scar forms and then uh, with a heavy wind or whatever the leaf just floats down to the ground yeah just drops off and often uh, trees are named for that so the classic one being the horse chestnut when a horse chestnut leaf falls off you'll notice a scar that's left by the horse chestnut is in the shape of a horseshoe hence the common name of horse chestnut another one that I really love in spring and again at this time the circus yeah, yeah well that's one of your real uh, like so it, it's one of my real favourites indulgences yeah it, really. it is an indulgence <laughs> it doesn't grow so well though I'm kind of in uh, in this part of the world uh, you know North it America struggles a little struggles bit here little. yeah I am trying one though I have a small uh, specimen down towards the end of the garden it's one of the things that I've done I've just stuffed loads of small trees in and depending on how they take or, or, or whatever they'll survive the edit and this sources I really want to uh, I, I think it could be super I think a lot of mulching um, this year because I think that's what a garden is going to be it's going to be my garden is going to end up being a collection of trees isn't it trees and shrubs 
Well, I worked over in uh, Craig Farm in North Wales and we often said this. We were always planting trees and we planted hundreds of trees in a space that was less than maybe 10 acres. So there's no way in no way in hell that this could actually work. And our thing was, imagine we all just vanished. Tomorrow morning, you know, a bit like Chernobyl, we didn't come into work, everyone was gone. What would happen? And what would happen is the place would turn into a forest and in a couple of years, all the small, dainty, little, delicate things that need a bit of work would be gone. And what you'd have left is this most incredible forest. And that's what would happen to your garden, to my garden, to lots of people's gardens. Okay, you go in and you get the brambles and whatever first, but eventually you would basically just have a forest of some quite cool, some less cool, and just the dominant trees, the trees that do well. And then willows would spring up everywhere. Well, this is an interesting thing and maybe this is not a topic for now but when we were in college they asked us what would happen if you went out to a green field in the middle of nowhere in County Mead let's say and oh I'm going to mention the or word here so forgive me father for I'm about to sin. If you went with a thing of Roundup and you sprayed off the field and... He can't say that. <laughs> he can't say that. Can I not say Roundup? No. What about a chemical? No. Oh. Why but, can't you say Roundup? Yeah. You don't want the name on, you don't want anywhere associated with this podcast. Is that we should be over normalising the use of, of chemicals when we're talking about gardening, I think. Well, I'm I won't. Not, I'm not, I'm not, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm not normalising it. This is just a story. Um, you're worse than that woman in the festival who told me, I mentioned Roundup in the festival and this woman came up to me and said how uh, it was the worst thing ever and I was so cross with you and I'd never met this woman in my life but she wanted to basically hang me for having mentioned the word Roundup in my talk because I had a photograph of a garden that was all brown and I had to say well I use Roundup because I mean it was bloody obvious but no, no, the woman wouldn't have it. No, I think you were clear this is a hypothetical situation. Yes, yeah. So hypothetically you go out to a field Can I tell you this, this my story about today morning? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are we allowed to? Sure. Have I told you this story? So years ago, I was brought to see this particular woman's garden. And, uh, <laughs> which, you know, there were four or five of us all gathered. And my, my friend said, no, you have to come down because this is a man. She'd really like you to see the garden. I might have told you this item before, but it's in a rural area of, of County Kerry. And we were told, now, stand outside and ask permission to enter. And I... Who just, were you asking? Well, interest? you were asking the fairies, the powers that be. Oh, you weren't or, asking or the actual owner of the garden? No, but you were. At, no, no, because the owner was telling me now this is a sacred spice, so you must ask permission. And so everybody went very solemn and whatever, and there was a little giggle from me. And then I said, they said no. <laughs> and she still made me go in. <laughs> she still made me go in. I said, no, they said no. <laughs> I didn't want to see her bloody garden. Well, the fairies keyed your car while you were in there. So. <laughs> Um, and it was the same woman who was given up to, uh, out to you about Roundup. About well, yeah, I said Roundup. But in my hypothetical story, well, can I tell you another story? No, 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 about what? So I saw my neighbour Joe across the road, and he was obviously using Roundup on his driveway and whatever, which most people do because weeds come up between the. No, you're normalising the use of it now. You can't do that. So Joe was. So I said, Joe, you know, you're not meant to do that, and and whatever. He said, Sure, you were going mad with this stuff a few years ago. He said, You told me. This is the. And he may be right. The dirty version of dirt. <laughs> but I've changed. I've reformed. A bit on a journey. Yeah. Which is allowed. Oh, it is. 
Hmm. Now back to County Meath. Oh yeah, we're still in Meath. <laughs> I told, were we not in that? Um, Are we not? Where was it? At the rave that? with Paul? So. I know that <laughs> was in that the was munitions fun. factory, the abandoned munitions factory. Uh, I'm not even messing. If you can Google it, it exists. It's a cool building. But you have to climb it down a side heap to get into it. So it's quite difficult to access. I've never went to a rave and I don't want to start now. And there's no um, electricity, so they have to bring generators into the tunnels. Anyway. <laughs> could, could we host a garden festival there? Yeah, it'd be feckin' brilliant. And because it's so difficult to get into, it'd be a great way of weeding out the people you don't want to come. Because you'd lose about five or six, you know, participants on the way down. Because they have to scale this mountain to get into it. Anyway, back to your story. <laughs> so, yeah, you go up to a field that's full of grass and you use a herbicide chemical. You kill it all off. Paul, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, this is Inception. <laughs> Everything dies, right? For no apparent reason. The grass just dies. You know what? Take a plough to the field. Are you allowed to do that? Yeah. Okay, right. You plough the field and then you do nothing. You Actually, I don't know that you're allowed plough oh, anymore <laughs> either because you're releasing carbon. What? You're releasing carbon. Do you eat bread? No. Case dismissed. Never mind. I eat bread. <laughs> Great. In that case, you're releasing loads of carbon. What happens to a field that's just and fair soil? If you're eating bread, you're definitely eating Roundup. Uh, yeah, it's in your urine, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, stop, guys. I'm going to get a nightmare after this. Well, it's true, <laughs> Okay, I can't tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Anyway, what took over in school? No, in no, college? no, no. This was what? The lecture came in and they said, you take a field, you plough it, and then you leave it. And what happens? And we then had to, as a class, come up oh, with what happens so, to the whole field. It's so brilliant. It's called pioneer plants, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but explain what happens. Go through year one. What happens in year one of this field? Just weeds and scrub. Weeds and scrub. What type of things? Anything that's in the... Any of the seeds that are in the soil will germinate. Any of the annuals or biennials. Dormant things. Things like poppies that came after the war. All those type of things that pop up. Year two, you'll probably get a few of the perennial things like docks and that beginning to establish. Year three and four, you'll get things like your briar and your bramble and your willow and all of those things coming in and eventually a few birch trees. Yeah, exactly. You'll you'll have the, from year two, I suppose you'll have the, the, because you'll have birds flying above with poo and seeds in the poo and there'll be birch and whatever. Yeah, and all those little things. and, And that's what pioneer plants are. So pioneer plants are the plants that come into an area after kind of the clearance has happened in a woodland area that would be when a big old oak tree falls down and they're the plants that quickly colonise have their very very fast life cycles they're kind of they live fast and they die young all these plants because they know they only have a short time to get in there before the big old things like the beech and the oak trees come in and then after that they it could be 30 or 40 years but you'll eventually have a beech and uh, not a beech a birch and a willow forest which will then be replaced by oak and beech in hundreds and hundreds of years what's that? that's a picture what does it look like? What does a picture of? It looks like a picture from the movie The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, because the forest is on fire. This is September the 19th this year in one of the California National Parks and a sequoia on fire to Trunkford. Shit. And it is like a towering, towering inferno, isn't it? It's extraordinary because the it's lit so catastrophically through the... Smoke, the flame, the orange, the it's devastating. And I guess that whole forest is now a... Oh, no, they saved it. They saved it, and then they discovered the seeds. What? Huh? The heat 
Oh, it made the seeds the seeds burst open. Yeah. yeah. Lots of the what that call about? It? That's cool. Do you know do you know anything about what we've just said? Sorry, what? Are these my feet? I know what a sequoia is. I know about the California wildfires and how desperate it was. A lot of <laughs> plants you. in South Africa. Is it the rooibos? Is that what they call those kind of scrubby lands in South Africa? I don't know. Is it rooibos? There's rooibos tea, right? Rooibos tea is oh, all yes. I know. Ro- rooibos, yeah. Um, yeah. And around South Africa, lots of these plants grow in you know these upland mountainous areas and they actually won't complete their life cycles unless they get burnt. The yeah. whole thing is, unless they actually have some fire on them, they won't release their seed. And it's from the burning process that the chemicals tell the seed to germinate. And all this cleared land will have all this new growth on it because all that stuff will germinate after a fire. So it's uh, not all bad. And it's, yeah, it's also things like grasses. There's the xanteria that really needs, and you always see a black and stone on that. Um, and if people decide that they don't tree. want pampas trees, they'll try to burn them. And that... It's one way of reinvigorating it, I guess. Yeah. Um, also a little bit dangerous. Just is it a don't try this at home moment? Can we do that? Did we go from October to um, national forests in California all the way to South Africa? Yeah. Do you know the way Graham Norton says we're not experts? <laughs> it's his phrase, and I think we should steal it. Uh, <laughs> or maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. Your branding kind of is based around you being experts. <laughs> I wouldn't massively sell that here uh, in this medium. Fine. <laughs> but you're 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 looping back to autumn colour. I think is what you're trying to do there, Dermot. Yes, to uh, bring it back to the way our gardens and our landscape in general look now. Yeah. Well, I did exactly what you suggested. So I set fire to the garden, and the colours were intense. When amazing! I had all the oranges when? and the browns. It all went black. What? You set fire to what? No, well, I dramatised a little bit for the purpose of the podcast. What's the end of it? I did once set fire to a lump of grass dough with a petrol can. We've all done that when we were kids, but... <laughs> I wasn't a kid, I was an adult and I was a professional at work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and what, what did you set fire to? A petrol can. And was this a bonfire, Penny? Well, it was after I got my hands on it. What little kid hasn't done that? Uh, so, yeah, autumn colour. Yeah. Tell us more about it. Well, apart from the phenomenon itself, do you have any favourite autumn plants? The Persian ironweed. That's one. Give us another one. Come on. There's more than one good plant. Well, I, I put up that uh, lovely cyclamen on Instagram the other day. Hydrofolium. This is my resting bitch face because, because that's not neither a tree nor has autumn colour. Well, you, you, However, it has one, one of my favourite... It's favorite in flower. And what? I saw some in rap mines just today, a carpet of them in a suburban area and they were unbelievable. I have one that's just as good and just as amazing, the Noreen lilies, because they're coming out this time of the year. Another South African plant, funny enough. I know, but electric. It's, it's a little bit like the colchicums. I always feel that bulbs without the leaves are a little bit undressed. I know, that's just because they're bloody smart. And I think bulbs are cool because they're a lot smarter than humans. They put out their leaves when they need to. They put out their flowers when they know that they have a chance to get them pollinated. And for the rest of the year, they just spend six months under the ground chilling. That's why bulbs are so bloody cool. They're just so, so easy going and they just know what to do. And they have it down to a T and they come up and they flower in October. They have their leaves on for three or four months in the summer. And then they just feck off and you don't see them for six, eight months of the year. Well, if you're really going to make me choose and it has to be a tree or a shrub, I'm going to go for one of the oriental maples. Touché. 
Uh, <laughs> but they're gorgeous. They're slow growing. You yeah. can get some that are fine in the uh, sunshine or kind of dappled shade. Very slow growing, like a slightly moist soil. And uh, they're just glorious when you see the leaf. I started watching YouTube videos in lockdown last year and one of them was a nursery in Devon that specialised in these things and the colours that was on their nursery this time of the year and all the different hundreds and possibly thousands of varieties of Japanese maple. So for us to recommend one is nearly impossible but any of the Acer Palmatums, any of the name varieties are just brilliant. I have a blood good by the front door. It's a bit overused but with good reason too because it's a bloody great plant. It's, it's a great plant. Now... A lot of autumn color does depend. Autumn leaf color does depend on the type of weather you've had through the year, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The tends to be the drier the summer, the more um, electric, electric, and kind of pronounced the autumn color will be. But also the shorter the season of it. If it's been quite stressful, the plants won't really hang on to their leaves for too long. If we have quite a kind of standard year, it tends to hold on to it a little bit longer, but maybe not be as pronounced. And sometimes we just don't know why, but certain years or certain plants will perform better. Certain years things will give hardly any show and other years they will knock your socks off. So it's just one of those things. It's probably to do with so many different things that we don't really understand why, but it's cool when it does it. And if you're interested in autumn colour uh, through foliage, now is a very good time to go to the garden centre or the nursery to pick something that's going to be a specimen. You know what would look great now and is looking great now are all of the witch hazels, the hamamelis. Oh, they're just brilliant. They have most yeah. brilliant autumn colour. And not only that, but they haven't stopped yet. They're about to flower in the winter, which yeah. is bloody great. Yeah, and the scent, that, yeah. that, that amazing witch hazel scent that hangs in the air on a frosty morning. Or if you see them in snow, that yeah. strap-like flower yellow flowers just absolutely and everything gorgeous. white and this yellow or orange kind of pop in all the white it's kind of mad and they make a, I mean you need a bit of space for them but they make a very pleasing shape, shaped um, you know small yeah. tree for a lot of I've the I've also seen them trained against the wall oh, and yeah. if you do a little bit of nip tucking with them you can make them grow against the wall so not take up a huge amount of space nip in the garden tucking nip tucking yeah that's just horticultural phrases for you know taking in the you know, search for you. Go on. Just taking off the bits that aren't necessary. That's what a nip took, isn't it? Why would you have to do that with a tree or a shrub? Why would you have to do that with anything? Why do you prune? Your, yeah, but something like a hamamelis. Because it'll put out a shoot that goes in the wrong direction, walks across your path, nip it out of the way. Oh, you're talking my garden now, aren't you? No. No, because your garden needs a machete to currently navigate. Where to go if you want to see great autumn colour? Oh, uh, upstate New York. Upstate New York, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paris Court, Anaskeri, Kilmacurra. Oh, you, you mean in this island? Starhead. Uh, upstate New York. Oh, no. Uh, in the UK, there's a great garden called Western Bird, which is in, I think, Gloucestershire. And yeah. it is one of the most incredible arboretums. And at this yeah. time of the year, for October, it's one of those wow visits. So it is actually cool. And I presume the JFK Arboretum is maturing beautifully. Yes, that is a great Irish Arboretum. And there, I mean, yeah, more and more Arboretums in this country are becoming known. So anywhere where there's a big garden with lots of big trees really is has got great autumn colour. You don't have to go far. Go into the Phoenix Park. 
in October and you'll see it. You don't have to go, you don't have to live, you don't have to pay to go into a garden. You just look around the streets of Dublin. All the cherries, the cherry blossoms that we love, oh, they have glorious. great autumn colour. Blazing oranges. Yeah, people kind of don't realise, but they're fantastic. Lots yeah. of suburban gardens have big Japanese maples in them. And it's not only it's not only that you can get berry too with some of these sorbus trees. Oh, fantastic. I saw a purple sorbus this morning and it was like purpley pink, the berry on it. Really fantastic laden in them absolutely laden you couldn't see the plant for the amount of berries now, if you're going to talk purple there's only one shrub to talk about uh, plums no mm, feck uh, calicarpa ah yeah but you need 12 of them to make an impact yeah but it's a metallic purple it is a metallic purple it's a bit sickening to be honest the yeah. colour I planted one and the f- a mistake I made was I planted one you need about three of them because they need to cross pollinate each other so you can get a good effect of berries on them or a good display of berries on them and that's true of anything that has berries and fruit the more you have the more likely you will have uh, berries and reliable fruit you only plant one calicarpa you'll never see a fruit again and it's a waste of time so, what do we have to look forward to? We have the autumn colour. Depending on the weather, those leaves will come down uh, if we get storms at this time of the year. And then is that the end of our garden show in the main for the year? Yeah, yeah. You're probably better dig a tunnel and hibernate until about mid-February at that point. There's no point. How many more episodes of this do we have to do? <laughs> well, three or four episodes can be digging that tunnel. <laughs> Well, and then when we get to the end, we'll have to make a bit of a cave. <laughs> They're going to be full of dirt. Yeah, there's absolutely no gardening to be done this time of year. No, that's a lie, of course. Of course there's gardening. But the gardening changes and it slows down and the days become shorter. So there are physically less hours in the day to garden. So there's less you can do. Not to say you can't do anything. Not to say you should be doing things. If it's a really wet, horrible week and you go out into the garden and you go around at your size, tens or whatever your feet are, you plot around, you create muck you compact the soil you do more harm than good so sometimes it is better to do less so to ease off a little bit on the gardening work but there are other things you can do you can go to if you've got lucky enough to have a glass house or a polytunnel you can go in there and get that can I mention one more before we finish no Aideen can I go on Russ what do you think of Russ ooh uh, yeah it's so out of favour and has been for about 20 years I think PVC, no, not PVC, teak windows and pebble dash and uh, concrete paving from the 1970s in a suburban house with a flat roof garage next door. Uh, what, what, what road did Harry Potter grow up on? Privet Drive. And I bet his, was it his aunt and uncle? Yeah. Had a Russ. Maybe a bit unruly for them, but I bet someone on that road had one. Yeah. Uh, very cool colour. At this time of the year, extraordinary colour. Yeah, really, really good. What's the common name for them? Sumacs. Sumacs, yeah. Yeah, everyone knows them as sumac trees. Yeah. And they, the one thing about them, though, they sucker like anything. Yeah. And they will jump up in the paving slab and in the cracks in the lawn. And they just, they're a bit of a menace. They're cool, but they are a little bit yeah. thuggish. Well, that was good. Yeah, that was a nice introduction to autumn. Yeah, and now, everybody, let's get out there and enjoy it. Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith, a Go Loud original. It is funny, isn't it? Because it doesn't seem that long ago that we were saying goodbye to summer and now we're in the middle of this autumn colour. We'll soon be saying goodbye to that. I I enjoyed it, though, uh, understanding what's good to plant in your garden right now. Yeah, 
And next week, I think we'll move on and talk a bit about something entirely different and go through Pete and explain why we've used Pete for so long and why we probably need to think about not using it as much in the future and also not just, you know, berating everyone for using it, but going what you can do and saying what you can use instead of it. That's right, because in my experience, berating gardeners doesn't work. People will use whatever is available and we want to kind of point out what is available, what alternatives that work are out there. See you next week on Dirt with Dermot and Paul. <laughs>